0: Hey, 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 welcome to episode three of Dirty Kurt's Dugout. I am Kurt Babakwa, and good day to all. I got to tell you something. I just got through driving to the studio. When it rains in San Diego, for those of you that don't know that I'm in San Diego, it is crazy. It's absolutely crazy. I mean, things come to a halt. I mean, they literally do. There's rush hour traffic. That's the worst you can possibly, LA type of rush hour traffic. Boston type, New York type of rush hour traffic in areas where it shouldn't be. But because it's raining, and I'm not talking about a downpour. I'm just talking about a little bit of rain. Well, I mean, it rained hard enough where people stood up and took notice. But not as hard as this summer when I was back east driving from the city, Manhattan, up to Binghamton in a great rental car that had great wipers, and it was a downpour. There was a downpour for at least an hour, an hour and 15 minutes. And I'm driving on the freeway, and I think I'm a pretty fanciful driver there were people flying by me. They had to be going 80, 85 miles an hour. If they were in San Diego, they'd be going crazy. So off of that, only because it just happened to me. We're going to go off track, just basically what I just did from a normal show today because we're going to tackle something in an area that I don't normally tackle. And... I don't normally respond to a lot of written things, and especially social media posts, about a particular topic. But because this topic is near and dear to all Major League Baseball fans and sports fans in general, especially those that are in the Southern California market, because in particular, this is the San Diego Padre Baseball Club. I'm going to paraphrase for you this article in general because I'm certainly not going to read the whole thing for you. And it says it starts out with the transaction the Padres considered one of the final pieces in the turning point of a franchise was not orchestrated by general manager A.J. Preller. That's the way it starts. Instead, it was orchestrated by Ron Fowler, Peter Seidler, Chief Financial Officer Rhonda Cedello, President of Business Operations, Eric Gruppner, and General Counsel, Carolyn Perry. So what they did, they refinanced the burdensome debt the team inherited from previous owner, John Moores. After owning the ball club since 2012, they finally did it. Now, that wasn't the point of the whole article, but they went over what the numbers were. Naturally, there were financial numbers thrown out there. But do you really expect a Major League team to open its books? No, that didn't happen. And I think that's what ticked a lot of people off and caused such a firestorm, not only in the San Diego marketplace, but nationwide. It's been an interesting, interesting week or so. It really has. Kevin Acy's going to be my guest on Dirty Kirch Dugout today. Kevin Acey has been at the San Diego Union-Tribune since 1999 and a sports writer for more than two decades. Before assuming his role as Padre beat writer, Acey was the Union-Trib's lead Charger beat writer for seven seasons and then a columnist for six years. Well, I talked to you already about the article, an article t- containing a look into the Padres' finances, and to be honest, it hasn't gone over very well in some circles, but has certainly created a massive amount of interest. Forbes.com has written that the Padres' new financial uh, outlook has them ready for Manny Machado. I mean, really? AC has been forced into defending his work, and I must say, he hasn't buried his head in the sand. He's published a follow-up article. He's made appearances on local San Diego sports talk shows. And, of course, he agreed to join me in the dugout. You can find him on Twitter at s d u t Kevin A C. For his first visit, I want to welcome Kevin to the show. Kevin, the uproar over this article—did <laughs> it surprise you?
1: Maybe the maybe the actual depth of uh, the Fuhrer by uh, by some people surprised me. No, I mean I knew that uh, how it would be interpreted by some. I, I knew how it would be interpreted by others, and and you know, look. Uh, no. The, the the short answer is no I was really pleased with the article I know how hard I worked I know what was true about it what was untrue I know that it was not perfect um, it, it didn't purport to be or or, uh, or anything like that but I will tell you this it, uh, it gave more information and and to that I have to give Ron Fowler Peter Seidler uh, credit it, it gave more information than most if, if not anything team that hasn't been forced to ie the the Packers, or the Braves, public uh, companies, uh, teams don't open their books at all. So uh, it, I thought it was, uh, it was interesting for me, at least.
0: I'm going to get back to opening the books thing for you in a minute because that's got me curious. But one Padre b- blogger argued that the organization's proclamation of the club paying down debt as an excuse to not spend money to field a winning team, what do you have to say about that?
1: What that, that it was just an excuse, or or that it was invalid, or
0: I think that's their interpretation. Okay,
1: yeah, um, and certainly that could be your interpretation. The the article was not meant to offer an excuse. Not you know uh, I've used this line plenty before. Not all explanations are excuses. Uh, it was an explanation of the team's thinking into why it has done what it's done, and and, and to be clear, debt reduction was a part of it. Um, They got themselves in trouble by making some bad moves uh, in 2015. They took on a tremendous amount of debt that yes, they knew they were taking on uh, in when they bought the team at the end of 2012. Let's call it 2013, and then at the end of 14, they made a bunch of bad moves. Then they decided to change course and invest a whole bunch of money, money, more money than anybody else has ever invested, uh, into the international market and their minor league system. They spent a lot of other money upgrading their minor league staff, uh, development staff, you know, making sure they signed all their players, players of, you know, value. Um, And so that's the direction they went, and that's all the article was explaining. Now, if you're still think that the the Padres are cheap, I think that's valid. Sure, there's evidence to that. If you think that uh, they don't know their butt from a hole in the ground, well, you have that opinion, too. Um, If you think this is the right way to go, believe me, I heard from plenty of people that said, you know, this makes a lot of sense, um, then that's a valid opinion as well.
0: Well, Ron Ron Fowler, in your follow-up article, and I quote him, we had to do it this way, and we're not particularly proud of some of it. (laughs) So, in reference yeah. to that quote, was that quote, or do you know whether or not that quote was in regard to the 2015 season and a lot of the moves that they made?
1: Sure, that was the initial um, that was the initial article, and, and I, I believe that that was in reference. That kind of summed it up. Like this is what they felt they had to do, so that when. They Do get good, and let's look, you know, for the purposes of this, let's assume that we're them, right? And that they believe they're going to be good, so they have to plan for that. And when the, they are knocking on the doorstep, which is now, uh, maybe next year, um, they have the financial wherewithal to do what they need to do, not just like, oh, well, we got to settle for this player, or let's roll the dice on, on this player, um, and so that's the way that they felt that they had to go about it, and that's really all that I think Ron was saying. Yes, 2015, in terms of not what not proud of, 2015. Um, sure, I mean, look, is anyone happy that they have to pay this uh, gigantic make-hole penalty to refinance? I mean, I, he may have been saying that, I don't know, not in jest, but, but somewhat lightheartedly, like, look, this isn't exactly pretty, is what Ron Paller was saying.
0: But their debt is somewhere between eight and 12 million dollars a year is that what it comes out to
1: no no what they the refinance saves them around that much but then also should they choose to because of the refinance and different terms uh that they now have then could make a lower payment on the principal uh than they were required to make before so and honestly uh there's so many numbers, and now we're talking about a couple of weeks ago. But, I mean, the, the flexibility it gives them at a to then also then borrow against the line of credit, which, by the way, every team and every business, but you know, for the purposes of what we're talking about, every team does. It's not like they just write a check uh, out of the owner's pocket, not the richest owner in the league uh, or in the NFL, just write a, a check for a signing bonus. Um, you know, at least uh, part of that money is coming from the line of credit. Um, the terms in which they can say, hey, $40 bucks we need tomorrow, boom, we got it. You're much better now.
0: Kevin, you're a San Diegan. Is the firestorm that the article created more of an outburst, of pent-up frustration uh, that has been built up for a number of years watching losing baseball? Or do you think there was some legitimate questions being posed on social media?
1: Oh, I think both. There are legitimate questions. I mean, not – I mean – that's kind of a problem that bums me out sometimes about social media. Is there's some really legitimate stuff, and then <laughs> a lot of the stuff to get the attention is the bombastic, uh, you know, the the, the rude, uh, the unnecessary, and the and the outlandish. Um, there's absolutely legitimate stuff. If I had to wager, as a lifelong San Diegan, um, as someone who does obviously talk to a lot of fans, um, I would have to say that almost every negative reaction towards this team has to do with pent-up frustration, and deservedly so. Um, There there really isn't any answer to that. The team can't have any answer to that until they win a championship, right? Or at least until they get a heck of a lot better and are contending for a championship. But I think both are true. I don't ever want to delegitimize um, a lot of things that uh, that that article or anything else on social media um, stood up because, you know, there's valid questions. The team's not perfect. This team uh, you know, but based on results, it's far from perfect. Um, but yes, some of it is just like, oh my goodness. I mean, it's basically the sins of the father, you know, being held against the sins of the son, or, you know, the, uh, held against the son in, in, in a lot of cases.
0: Well, you're right. The ball club's not perfect, and neither are <laughs> any of the other ones. But I, I'm going to go on record right now, and I've never done this before, saying that the guy that we're talking about, Manny Machado, is not a guy that this ball club wants.
1: Ooh, that's not going to be very popular. Well, I that's too, going, I but, tell you what,
0: ahead. I tell you what, it's too bad. Because <laughs> this is a personal opinion. And from what I've seen of the guy, he is a tremendous talent. Mm-hmm. But I'm not letting him loose in the clubhouse with all my Latin young stars and let him be the captain of that ball club. There's absolutely no way.
1: I'm not even sure that he would be the captain. Now, here's the deal. Um, I don't know Manny Machado, but I know a lot of people that know him. I've talked to players. I've talked to other people in the league. You're not alone in that feeling uh it's not i know that it's interpreted whenever that's put out there and i've tried not to make too big a deal out of it i don't want to be unfair to manny machado i don't want to i, I you know, try to be responsible about what i put out publicly because i don't want to you know stop. i really don't it's not my intention at all to start firestorms okay but i have mentioned that you know look it's not just the padres there are concerns about this guy um not a leader. That's fine. He's an incredible talent. Everybody has to be a leader. But you know what? At thirty million a year, there is a certain responsibility about how you carry yourself. And you know what? The Dodgers don't want him back. Now, I'm not saying that's because he's a bad guy, but huh, That's interesting. The Yankees were in on him and Huh? That's interesting. Um, you know, it's it's not a, a, an opinion that is uh, rare, uh, Kurt. I know the fans don't want to hear that. And look. Here's one thing, and you know this—you know this better than me. You're, you know it firsthand. I know it from having covered professional sports for 20 years. I—I I know some really good guys that I've covered, and they have some really bad teammates, like bad character teammates. But those teammates are really good players. So guess what? They like those teammates. Wouldn't hang out with them off the field, but damn, they love having them on their team.
0: Well, I think there's two guys in a free agent market this year that got a little bit of a reputation that doesn't rub very well with teammates. And when you don't rub very well with teammate, that creates a non-chemistry situation in the clubhouse.
1: And people talk
0: about it all the time. Mm -hmm. Don't ask me to try to explain it because I've tried before and I'm too long and drawn out. But all I can say is one thing. I just read where one of my former teammates passed away a few days ago. And this was with the Milwaukee Brewers. And were we a World Series winning team when I was teammates with him? No. But we had a chemistry in that ball club where when I saw he he had passed away, I cried. And that's what you want to bring somebody into a situation like that to where when you don't achieve or when something goes wrong, you feel so bad for that person and yourself that you're willing to weep. And I, I just don't see that with either one of these guys.
1: From a fan's perspective, what that means, not, it's not to diminish because your, your story is poignant, and, and I understand that. I've, I've witnessed that with, with, with the players that, uh, that have that chemistry with teammates. I don't mean to discount that. From a fan's perspective, where they're interested in winning, you know what? That's becoming increasingly recognized as important in baseball, where I don't think it was as much as, say, football uh, was or has been for a long time. The Astros, the Cubs, the Indians, the Royals, there, there's, a, there's a, a part of their recipe is number one talent, but a part of the recipe is chemistry good guys, and and that, that you know the rising tide you know raises all boats kind of thing that that really is a part of it. I'm, I'm telling you, and it's and it's real, and and you can see it. Um, now, I still go back to my last point. Manny Machado is a hell of a player, and uh, that you know, he is. I think I think that, uh, that any team would be better for him. And if you have the right people, and you probably saw this throughout your career, if you have the right people in the clubhouse. Which the Padres didn't have when Matt Kemp was here, um, and Manny Machado is quite much better player than Matt Kemp. But if you have the right players in your clubhouse, you, you can tolerate a jerk with a, with a six point five WAR.
0: I don't know. <laughs> okay, <laughs> hey, you're What's... the guy who's
1: been in the clubhouse. That's, I mean, I've been I've actually been a player. Um, I've just been around a long time, and I, I, I really do think it could work. Look, the Padres have concerns, as do. The other five or six teams that are quote-unquote in on Manny Machado, absolutely, you're, what you're saying is absolutely valid. I'm just kind of looking, trying to take the other angle and say, man, this guy's really good.
0: He is good, I guarantee you. But I think uh, what he does in the clubhouse zeroes out the war. Let's, yeah, let's go said, to something he, else. Yeah. Let's go to something else. Sure. Something that everybody cares about. <laughs> if the season opens tomorrow, no other moves are made, What's Andy Green's lineup?
1: Well, Joey Lucchese is your opening day starter. Okay. Ian Kinsler is at second, and Luis Urias is at uh, shortstop. <laughs> no other moves? i got to pick a third baseman. It's, I guess, uh, you know, Ty France or Greg Garcia. Um, your corner outfielders are, are uh, you know, it's tough because you know, four of them, even five, realistically, yeah. Uh, uh, I I don't know what to say, man. I mean, Linton Reyes <laughs> deserves to be out there, and and they would love Manny Margot to be, but I guess Will Mollens would have to be in center, wouldn't he? So there.
0: Well, unless you put him in third.
1: No, nah, that 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 ship has sailed, though. Of course, you know. So you don't think be... he?
0: You don't think he's a good enough athlete where he could uh, adjust oh. to third base? And again, wow. I'm not trying to make you seem like you're saying he's not a good athlete.
1: No, no. But Listen, he only I mean, had anybody, a couple of months there. Oh, anybody knows, that <laughs> I think that Will Myers is a fantastic player. Um, I have been very honest. It was awkward, sometimes ugly, when he was over at third base. But you nailed it. The guy had, like, three hours of work before he played third base. His fifth position played third base for the first time in Major League Baseball. And you know what? Um Guys have done it before, and I think Will Myers could be a serviceable third baseman. That ship is sailed because there was a time where they were leaning towards him being a guy who played third and played the outfield. That's you know that's more of a trend in Major League Baseball now, and that's what I thought was going to happen. But they have decided that they are going to move on, and that's a that really was a mutual decision um, with Will as uh, as the guy. You know, when honest, you ask him honestly, he wants to play the outfield. So no, it's not Will.
0: Well, if he wants, if, I'm reporting if that's,
1: on the team. I'm not telling you what I think. Right. I mean, yeah, I, you well, I'm, No, no. I'm you got you the inside.
0: Is. You got the inside stuff. So, <laughs> so that's why I'm asking because I kind of like to see him stay at third at least for a half a year to give him an opportunity to develop on, you know, the the breaks you get on the ball, the spin coming off the ball from certain hitters. You know, everything that revolves around being an everyday third baseman at the major league level. And I just, I don't think yeah. he was given an opportunity.
1: Oh, no. I mean, I absolutely agree with you. I'm sure. Absolutely. And if there were no other moves, it's like, huh, would we revisit that? I, I don't think so, but am not going to rule it out? I don't rule out anything with this team anymore. They're visiting Bryce Harper today, as we speak on uh, Thursday, or they're about to. Um, so, uh, but, look, that, that's what they're going to do. Um, and they believe, obviously, you would say this too, look, I'm a huge fan of Wills, but they can find a better third baseman than the Will. as in
0: plug and play. Oh, well, there's, there's no doubt about that. <laughs> but if they want to keep him on this ball club, they're going to have well, to find a position for him. They
1: sure are. That's, that's where you stumped me on the outfield. You know. I believe that they will trade an outfielder at least one before the end of spring training.
0: I agree with you 100%. And on your follow-up article, by the way, that I read, there was a big picture of a guy that, boy, I'd be down to buy a season ticket if they got this guy. And it was Nolan Arenado. (laughs) Because I've been talking about that for a couple of years, that when he becomes a free agent, he'd be a perfect fit into or hopefully – into what the Padres set out to do back a few years ago. And mm-hmm. now all of a sudden, here comes Nolan Arenado at a position that mm-hmm. the Padres don't have anybody. Although I was kind of excited about Christian Villanueva last year at the beginning, just like everybody else, and he kind of just fell off the face of the earth. I mean, that's the, that was the craziest thing I've ever seen. Yeah.
1: was sad because a lot of holes in his swing, but, man, it was, he got so hard. He got so much better. I think he's a really good defensive third baseman. I really do. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, no, you know what? Here's the deal on Mullen Arenado, and it's the same thing they would face. Look, I don't think that their interest in Bryce Harper, I'm not saying it's not legitimate, but it's not like they are all in on Bryce Harper. They're testing this. Look, he's available to talk to. It's in Vegas. We're going to fly over there and we're going to meet him and we'll come back the same night, okay? Um, but let's say they were. Let's say they were just all in on it. Well, like I was talking to someone today who knows, they would face a really long odds because eventually someone's going to pay this guy and the Padres aren't going to go that high. And I think, you know, like next year, Nolan Arenado's market, though we, you know, we know the markets haven't been what we thought they were going to be, but Man, the Dodgers have been saving some money, you know, and and they made, free agency is always going to be rough for the Padres um, or any team, really. I mean, you you have to be the team that wins. That player has to want to go there. But to your point, Nolan Arenado has been someone the Padres have been talking about for a couple of years too. So they would love that.
0: Well, free agency is kind of suspect nowadays, in case anybody <laughs> hasn't noticed. <laughs> well, so yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be. Uh, one of the players looking forward to my free agent years right now until that union gets in there and does some negotiating with the owners. Kevin, I well, appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much. Pardon me? Yeah, absolutely.
1: The system is stacked against the players. Um, it just is. It's, it's, the older you get, the more expensive you are, and the you know, less teams want to spend. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, you know, it's rough, but Nolan Arenado, man. Whew, I would love to have – I would love Whew. to – let me say this. I don't root for I don't root for anybody but myself, and that would be a win for me because I get to watch him play third base every day.
0: Boy, no kidding! Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> Thanks, hey, hey, good luck. Enjoy spring training. I'll probably see you over there. Uh, made right arrangements with AJ to come over there for a couple of days, day before yesterday. So I'm anxious to see what comes out of Vegas, uh, if anything. And uh, take care of yourself, and we'll see you soon. Thank you so much. See you. See you, Kev. Let me conclude with this on Kevin Acey. You know, he's been accused of being a shill for the ball club. I don't think he is. So you people that think he is, just sit back and kind of digest everything that you've read and looked at. Does he walk a line to keep the relationship good with the club? I'm sure he does. And which of us wouldn't do that? I mean, he's got to go there every single day and spend hours before the game and then an hour or so after the game. And I believe the follow-up article that I spoke of with Kevin proves my point when when he started to piece out with not all explanations are necessarily excuses, but the Padres' explanation of their finances certainly leaves them with no more excuses. He put that out there. You know, you don't put out, you don't put something like that out there if you're a shill for a ball club because it backs him in the corner and it doesn't give him any more excuses. My next cast on Dirty Kurtz Dugout is Dave Marver. Yeah, if you're in social media, you've seen him the last couple of weeks. He's co-host of the Intelligence podcast and an outspoken critic of most padre things. You can find him at change the Padres. Dave, welcome to the show. I appreciate you coming on, buddy.
2: Hey, Kurt. Thanks for having me. It's not every day you get to go on a podcast with someone who hit multiple home runs in the World Series. So this is a first for me. I'm, I'm very hey, happy to be here.
0: You know what? I was just on a podcast last week with a guy like that, Joe Morgan. He was on my show.
2: Oh, nice. <laughs> so, nice.
0: Yeah, it's fun. Uh, it's a fun thing. I appreciate that, though. So let's get to this article that was uh, written by the Padres beat writer, uh, Kevin Acey, uh concerning the fact that that we know the headline said the Padres opened the books. Mm-hmm. About this article, I paraphrased and I told all the listeners about what the article was generally. We're not going to naturally read it word for word. But what was were were there a few things in there or was there just one thing in there that irritated you the most?
2: Yeah, I would say it was two things. Uh, the first was the guys that it was, quote, opening the books, right? Because we didn't actually get to see too many numbers. These were numbers that were presented to Kevin A.C., who's not well-versed in economics or accounting, and basically regurgitated back to us so that the terminology of open books to me, uh, you know, doesn't make too much sense. I, I made a... a an analogy previously that it's like if you're sitting at a poker table with someone and they start talking about their hand, right? They haven't shown you their hand. They're just talking about their hand and it's up to you whether you want to believe it or not. And so that was one of the ones that, that annoyed me. The other one is that that it just felt like an excuse, right? It just felt like ownership was trying to set the table for a disappointing off season where they only signed Garrett Richards and Ian Kinsler. It didn't sound like someone who's about to embark on opening a window of competitiveness over the next couple of years that the farm system comes through. So for me, those are some of the things that, that stood out the most. Um, but there were certainly a lot of things in there that I didn't necessarily agree with, or I think were presented very fairly.
0: Well, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting because the reason I wanted to do this show and the reason I wanted to have you on along with incidentally, Kevin was on uh, right before you came on. Okay. And I said the same thing to him. Uh, mm-hmm. The thing that intrigued me, about this was me reading that the Padres opened their books and I knew damn well that that wasn't gonna happen. I mean I I haven't met an owner yet that's gonna open his books nor to be perfectly honest with you when you're a privately held company I'm not too sure you're obligated to open your books. Mm -hmm. I think that this ball club's explanations to a degree have been pretty honest. And that's the reason I wanted to have you on because I wanted to get a point-counterpoint. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not a Padre mouthpiece. I'm not no, a show not. for them by any yeah. means.
2: Yeah, certainly not. Yeah, so, so I would say, you know, you know one, one of the main things for me uh, about it is just, you know, it, it's accounting. And there's a lot of famous quotes from famous accountants about how you can make books look however you really want. Because there are different ways and different standards that you can use to show your book. And so, you know, one of the things I point towards is the Spin articles that came out, I believe, 2010 or 2011, which were about the finances of the Pittsburgh Pirates in Florida Marlins. So apparently someone leaked the actual financial details of those two teams to Deadspin, And what we found in there were that, you know, the Marlins had set up some LLCs, um, so basically some other companies. And those companies hired consultants. It turns out that those consultants were the owners or people uh, active in ownership, and they were actively paying basically their owners to consult for the team they already own. And so this looks like, you know, from, a, from an accounting perspective, that looks like the team is spending money on consultants to help them, you know, make wise baseball decisions or marketing decisions or whatever, but really it's just the owners taking money from one pocket, putting it in another one and showing that they've lost money or not made as much money. As it seems, because they pay themselves in multiple ways, right? And so that's part of why it's so difficult when you when you talk about books and sports to actually get a full picture. You really need a skilled accountant, someone who's used to looking at these, you know, documents, to actually go comb over and figure out. Okay, you've made a payment of five million dollars to this company. What is that really? Is it something that you own? Is it, you know, and figuring out exactly where the money is going. So for me, it's uh, certainly you know the pottery is doing this. Is something that could end up being transparent. There's no, there's no doubt that this is more transparent than a team that doesn't show their books in any sort of way. I just question whether or not what we've seen is an honest picture. And to be honest, I don't know how, how we can really deduct that unless we have someone skilled at looking at accounting documents to take a look at it. But so it's really up to the po- you know a fan and himself to to look at you know the article that Kevin A. C. wrote for San Diego. U- and, and figure out what they think about it, whether they think it's an honest attempt from Ron Fowler and Peter Seidler to be transparent with their fans or whether they think it's, you know, a guise for some, something else. And, you know, it's from my perspective, I hope it's them being transpa- transparent. I don't think anyone <laughs> that's a Padres fan hopes that's not what it is. But at the same time, there's a healthy amount of skepticism you have to have as a Padres fan based on everything that's happened in the past. And so, you know, that's really the perspective that I'm coming from on this. Uh, I certainly hope what they presented was authentic, although there were some things in there financially that make you pause a little bit. Um, things like understanding they, they just refinanced some of their ballpark debt and they still owe a good, you know, healthy $30 million, I think, on that, which is, you know, unfortunate. You wish they would owe nothing to anyone else, right? But so it, it, it takes a little bit of, um, you know, perspective to understand exactly how you feel about it.
0: Well, I remember 2015 like it was yesterday. And I remember the start of the season where there was excitement in San Diego. Oh, no doubt. Excitement that we hadn't seen for a very long time. I And I was disappointed, I think, as much as you were and as much as a lot of Padre fans with the way things ended up. And you knew who else was on that disappointment list? The owners. Exactly. Exactly. And, again, I am not here – to back up ownership on this article or anything else. Mm -hmm. What I'm doing is just stating my opinion, as you are, and I think when you look at everything, you can have your opinions of whether or not Ron Fowler does a good job. Um, I certainly wouldn't blame one person for what happened with acquiring Kemp and the James Shield signing and going out and get Kimbrell. I mean, you know, you can look at A.J. Preller. He went out and made all of those moves, but he had to get permission to do that. Yep. He, he didn't come in sitting at uh, general manager's position and just start making moves before walking into ownership and saying, can we do this? So that season didn't work. And I think I remember when Justin Upton hit a home run to beat the Mets in late July. It was the highlight of the season. You know what? But you know what it didn't do? I think Justin Upton was going to be gone the next day. And by him hitting that home run, it gave the Padre ball club and the front office the hope that they started the season with, that, you know what, we can climb back into this thing. This was a huge game, and it's going to give us momentum going forward. And even though it was the highlight of the season, it also might have been the low light. Because it turned out to where nothing worked out after that, and Justin had to be traded anyway, along with Kemp and his brother, who, boy, I I still can't figure out how this guy got a $15 million contract, but that's one one of the reasons the free agent market is what it is today. So I appreciate your time. I appreciate your comments. For all of those that are out there that haven't gotten a chance to, uh, to listen to Dave Marver, um, he is the co-host of the podcast. Uh, so go there and check it out. Uh, you can also find him at Twitter at, at change the Podrace. Uh, David, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. And, uh, I'll keep watching you.
2: Thanks, Kurt. Appreciate it.
0: No problem. Yep. Thank you, you. Have a good one. Thank you. Bye. I'm going to back up again on what I was just talking to David about with the Ron Fowler thing. Um, I don't think Ron Fowler's incompetent by any sense of the word. Do I agree with the Eric Hosmer signing? No, I didn't. Uh, I didn't want to see them spend that kind of money where they were because I think this ball club has set out on a journey that's going along very well. It hit a little bit of a roadblock when Tatis injured his thumb last fall because I think we would have gotten a chance to see him play up here in San Diego at the end of the year. But we're all going to get to see him play in spring. And I'm sure about three weeks after the season starts at Petco Park. So if you combine those two things with the Hosmer signing not being agreed upon by everyone, and what happened in 2015 being something that we all were in favor of. And I don't know if one of you, whether you're a Padre fan or not, didn't like what was going on in San Diego when Preller took over. He stands up at the press conference with Matt Kemp. Matt Kemp calls him a rock star. I mean, there was some serious vibes going on here in San Diego. And it was all good. I think those vibes are going to be back. Is it going to take a couple of years? Yep, I think it will. Are we looking forward to having another losing season next year, which I think we will? I don't know how far this ball club is going to progress. I really don't know how many wins they're going to have. I'm not even going to try to guess. Because when I sit down and watch a baseball game that the Padres aren't in, I don't care who wins. If I sit down and watch a baseball game that the San Diego Padres are playing in, I want the Padres to win. It's just the way it is. And I think it's the way it is with a lot of you. And if you're a Southern California Padre fan or a nationwide Padre fan that's living somewhere out of San Diego, and you've had the unfortunate situation where you've had to move from here, even though the weather's terrible right now. <laughs> Keep rooting for him, because I think things are going to happen. You're listening to Kurt Bavakwa. I appreciate all the listeners. This is Dirty Kurt's Dugout, Episode 3 of 2019. Go to patreon.com slash Kurt and check it out. Check it out about, about signing up and helping us out here on this podcast so we can continue to bring you good interviews and good stuff every week. Until next time, this is KB saying goodbye, everybody. We're talking baseball, Klazuski Campanella, talking baseball, the man and Bobby Feller, the scooter. Duke, they knew them all from Boston to Dubuque, especially Willie, Mickey, and the Duke. Well, Casey was winning,
2: Hank Aaron was beginning, one Robbie going.